0: Look, Donald Trump and his people learned their lesson from 2016 to 2020. And the big lesson they learned was we can get Trump into office with all of his rhetoric and crazy ideas. But if you surround him with H.R. McMaster and John Kelly and Jim Mattis and those people, they will obstruct
1: I'm Ken Harbaugh, and this is Burn the Boats, a podcast about big decisions. My guest today is my good friend, Amy McGrath, who probably needs no introduction to this audience after that grueling Senate race against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. She's been incredibly active in politics since then, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. I wanted to catch up with her about that and get her take on the increasingly dangerous turn towards authoritarianism that the Republican Party has taken. Uh, Amy, welcome back to Burn the Boats. Good to be with you. Let's do current events first, diving right in. You have been very outspoken about Senator Tuberville's one person holds on senior military promotion. There are other one person holds that extremists in the Senate uh, are are taking, but let's focus on Tuberville for a second, because it has had a material impact on military readiness and literally on the lives of those Marines and airmen and soldiers who, in some cases, are working two and three jobs. Give us the lay of the land, and and then I want your political analysis.
0: Yeah. So, um, and it's great to be able to do this in more than like a 30 second soundbite, which is what I get usually on, on MSNBC. Just just take everybody back very quickly though. Uh, February of this year, uh, one Senator in Alabama, uh, decided to put a hold on all promotions that were of, you know, the, the star ranks. So admirals and generals and, Uh, He did this because he did not like the Pentagon policy. So when Roe v. Wade was basically overturned, uh, the Pentagon decided to, hey, uh, we have a lot of women that are are stationed in the southern states, uh, like Alabama, who um, need reproductive health care and deserve it. Um, Particularly, we have a sexual assault problem still in our military. And if Um, For example, a a woman in the military happens to be assaulted. She should be able to get uh, reproductive health care. And so we, of course, some of these states in the South, almost all of them have now banned this type of health care. So the Pentagon put in a policy to help women get that care. And those of us that have been in the military know that you don't, you don't, uh, you get told where where to be stationed. So, you know, you, you don't get a choice. You're either in Alabama or you're in Tennessee. And so Tommy Tuberville didn't like this. He didn't like the fact that, that the Pentagon was helping women, you know, cross state lines, uh, giving them the, the leave time to be able to, to, to take care of um, their health and um, helping them do that, you know. And so he decided to put a hold on these promotions. Now, keep in mind that Tommy Tuberville... Could not get, uh, this policy rescinded by regular process. In other words, the, his fellow senators said, uh, no to all of his, um, changes to, to the policy here that he tried to enact in law. They never even got through committee. So because he didn't get his way, he's, he put this hold on. It's been going on since February. We now have, Over like 500 or so that are being held up. And by the end of this year, it'll be uh, about two thirds of all generals and admirals, um, their promotions held up. And what that the problem is with that is that they can't take on positions. So right now we do not have a Seventh Fleet commander. That's the commander of all of the Pacific. We don't have a Fifth Fleet commander. We have that's the commander in, in the naval forces in the uh, Mediterranean and, and the Middle East, basically. Um, and so, and among many, many others. And that allows us to not be able to do long-term planning. Our allies and partners don't know who to talk to. We don't have the same authorities as an acting commander. And in addition, their families are held up. So they can't move uh, to those those locations that they're supposed to take these jobs. And one of the things that people don't fully, I think, appreciate is the military doesn't just plug and play. They don't just say, hey, John John Doe there is a three-star admiral or a three-star general, so he can fill any three-star general role. We actually handpick people based on their uh, experience. And so, you know, the person that is supposed to be the seventh commander is, is like the best guy that we should have in that job right now, and he can't take over because of Tommy Tuberville. So... That's kind of where we stand. And it, it's, it's, it's terrible for military readiness. It's a terrible slap in the face to people who, um, frankly could be doing lots of other things in their life and be making lots of, of money, but they've decided to stay in like 30 years in service of their country and their families, uh, to, to do this to them because you didn't get your, uh, way. And then on top of it, Ken, it's just a total slap in the face to women in the military. I mean, this old man who is a who is a former football coach is is d- doesn't like women in the military so much that he doesn't want us to cross state lines to get reproductive care. He he he. That that's how radical this guy is. Um, somebody who like myself who could serve their country overseas, um, three combat tours, comes home. Uh, wants to have a family and happens to p- potentially have an an ectopic pregnancy you know you know that's a that's a pregnancy that that isn't viable that is could could hurt the life of the mother could hurt the life of the service woman. and Tommy Tuberville doesn't want that service woman to get health care that 's how crazy he is
1: Tommy Tuberville, who by the way calls himself the most military person there is, having never served a day in uniform. Um, You said this on Nicole Wallace. Ultimately, we can't have one senator holding up and hurting our military and national security in such a way. It has been nine months, and Senator Tuberville has literally weaponized his position as a senator to actively hurt our military. You talked about the damage this is doing to those uh, flag and general officers whose careers have been interrupted, whose families have been impacted. More importantly, you've talked about the message that this sends to women across the military, treating them as second-class citizens. What is the message that this sends to our adversaries, to China and Russia and
0: Iran and Hamas? <laughs> well, I think the message is they have they have important allies in the United States Senate and in the Congress, and those are the people who's, uh, like Tommy Tuberville, who thrive on chaos, who thrive on uh, being disruptors, hurting the processes that we have had for decades that have, frankly, protected this country and protected the world. Our military is absolute best in the world, and Tommy Tuberville is just a one-man wrecking ball to that. And we're allowing it to happen. And so what I've said on TV and what I continue to say, and I hope that um, lawmakers really t- take this in, is that we cannot allow one man in the United States Senate to put a hold and hurt our national security in this way. I know why they don't want to change the rule. They don't want to change the rule because it, it would diminish the power of the individual senator. The problem is, that those rules and norms applied back when you had senators that actually were adults, that actually put this country above their political party. They knew they had that power, but they they weren't going to use it in a destructive manner. We now have uh, on the Republican side a number of senators. Who who care more about the clicks? Care more about the money? Care more about their right wing, extremely extreme agenda than they do about this country? And the reason they have been able to get power, Ken, and not be pushed to the sideline, which has always been the case in the past, is that the rest of the Republican Party is unwilling to stand up to them. Which we've seen over and over again. They're unwilling to stand up to the mega extremists. And they're allowing the Tuberville to do this. And so to fix it, in my opinion, we're going to have to change that rule of the Senate. Can't can't allow our national security to be hung out to dry like this.
1: And maybe we need new senators as well. I, I was going to ask you, but you, you just offered a pretty good answer as to why Republicans have let this go on for so long. But it's not just Senator Tuberville. You've got J.D. Vance placing one person holds uh, at justice. You've got um, Senator Paul um, holding up very important promotions at, at state. And the Republican Party seems okay going along with it. Is it really as simple as them trying to protect the institution of the Senate and the deference given to individual senators or... Is there possibly something else going on?
0: Well, I think that's why the rules haven't been changed. Um, and I think that applies to both parties. You know, nobody wants to to diminish the power of, of an individual senator. They feel pretty good about themselves having that power. Um, the problem is that, the, as you just mentioned, those uh, Republicans have been able to, to do real damage. You know, when, when um, Hamas attacked Israel, we didn't have an ambassador to Israel. We didn't have an ambassador to Egypt, you know. Those two pretty important uh, countries, among others, thanks to Rand Paul. You know, um, we don't have uh, folks at the Department of Justice, thanks to to JD Vance. I mean, in in previous years, th- this wouldn't be allowed. But I think it shows you the lack of power that, like Mitch McConnell, has over his own caucus. Um, and the, the fact that the rest of the Republicans just aren't willing to to stand up publicly. Now, some of that's changing. Last week, you saw um, Senator Dan Sullivan and a, a few others on the Republican side stand up and really uh, take Tommy Tuberville uh, to task and, and say this is this is suicide. I mean, this is this is hurting us, which is great. The only thing I would say is it took him nine months. It
1: took them nine months. It, yeah. It's still not over. <laughs> right. Right. This still has to play out.
0: Now, it, you know, right now in the Senate, um, my understanding is the, the Democrats are in the Senate are trying to come up with a workaround, a temporary workaround where they would temporarily change the rules to be able to push these nominations through in bulk. That would require, uh, Ken, 60 votes. So they would have to get nine Republican senators to go along with it. And so, you know, the question, unfortunately, I can't believe I'm saying this, but here we are in 2023. It, can we get nine Republican senators to put this country above their political party? I don't know.
1: I have heard an an alternate explanation, and I don't want to give it too much credence yet, but I would love your take on it. the The idea that someone shared with me is that let's take Tuberville as a case in point. It might have started as grandstanding on the issue of abortion. But now that we're less than a year out from the general election, and we have examples like Merrick Garland to look back at, of keeping spots open for Trump loyalists, should he win. That's a terrifying prospect. And when you When you compare that to what we know about Trump's plans, should he win again, as revealed in the Project 2025 leaks and things like that, I I just wanted to ask you about it. I'm not given to theories like this naturally, but this has actually happened before. Your opponent, Mitch McConnell, was the architect of it last time, and I wouldn't put it past Republicans um, to keep these very important positions open for trump loyalists
0: yeah i don't know enough about the the justice department appointments um and if they roll from one administration to another if that is the case um then i wouldn't put it past them for for doing this at all uh i think it's a a little bit of, of a stretch on the on the military side um to try to wait for you know and and figure out if we're going to get some loyalists in there, I think the military is. I mean, and look, I I came from the military, so I'm probably biased, but the vast majority of officers and and you know they they really are people who are not partisan and i think it's going to be hard for them to say hey i want to i want to have 500 um trump loyalists in these in these 500 positions that i'm holding up and i'm somehow going to uh vet these guys for you know trump loyalty i think that's a bit of a stretch maybe uh less of a stretch on the justice side now on the amb- ambassadors look if trump wins then the ambassadors go away and we get new you know, new swath of, of ambassadors anyway. So I'm not sure what the holdup is there. Politically, I, I don't think this is smart. It's, it's stupid to, to hurt our military. It's always been dumb to go after veterans uh, like he's going. I mean, Tuberville just really must hate women in the military. I, I don't think that's smart politically. I also think the issue of abortion has continue to be a losing issue for them, particularly because they keep doubling down on these really far-right stances I mean, to say to women in the military, uh, we're going to keep you trapped in, in a state uh, that doesn't allow um, you to have reproductive health care uh, is, is just kind of a, a just really, it's really crazy.
1: Well, I live in Ohio where they have taken that and turned it into law. We had a 10-year-old girl who had to literally flee the state to get medical care after being assaulted. Our pushback against that after this massive outcry was the people of Ohio defeating in August a ballot measure to deny the people a voice in issues like this. We did an episode on that. I'll put it in the show notes. And then just recently passing uh, a, a monumental ballot measure to enshrine abortion rights in our state constitution. Uh, feels like a high five moment, it's not. I don't know if you've been following, you're in Kentucky, which isn't that far away, but the Ohio legislature, Republicans in the Ohio legislature are now talking about undoing that, a constitutional amendment. They are talking about removing any ability to interpret that from the courts, retaining it within the Republican dominated legislature, uh, and. I I may get the quote a little bit wrong, but one of these Republican legislators said no amendment can overturn the God-given rights with which we are born. To me, that mindset is one of the most terrifying in politics, the idea that a politician has a God-given divine mandate to overturn the will of the people. But that's what we're facing right here in Ohio quick reaction and then i want your thoughts on as you alluded to the bad politics of that
0: well i mean it's not surprising they uh, they they can't get their way through the normal democratic process so they're going to do everything they can to change the rules and and it, you know and, and do it another way i think it's our responsibility and uh, i say our people who love democracy people who fought for democracy um, to continue to make sure that the American people and the people of, of Ohio um, understand what they're trying to do and push back on it, um, the politics of this, you know, are very real. I think that uh, uh, we, we've seen over and over again that uh, the American people are are not right wing extreme on this issue, and you know, most people. And, and really, the way you should frame it, and this is uh, the Democrats or Independents or anybody that cares about this issue, is this is a freedom issue. The Republicans are going after your freedom, uh, your freedom to make decisions, um, healthcare decisions for yourself. That's what this is about. And and I think you know over and over again when when it's framed that way, and when people really have to vote on it, they're like, yeah. You know, I might be uncomfortable with the issue of abortion myself but uh I really don't want politicians telling me what to do and when it comes to my 10-year-old daughter her, you know I really don't want her to have less freedom than me than what I had when I was 10 and so that I think that that message is getting through and you're seeing that over and over again when the, when the people have a voice you know, they're making it heard.
1: In Ohio, this has also become a a fight about democracy itself. How do we realize the will of the people? We assumed it was a constitutional amendment, but when you're up against a highly gerrymandered state legislature, even that might not be enough. And I think it belies this This notion that the Republican Party is representative. Uh, And I would just love your thoughts on how you resolve these kinds of fundamental moral conflicts in a democracy. I have always maintained that you have to win enough people over to get your way in. Uh, in a democratic venue, in a legislature, in 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 a Congress, on a school board, or something like that, the Republicans seem to be abandoning that. Abandoning that in Ohio, they don't seem to be trying to win people over. And obviously, there's a subtext there, but it's really scary because the logical endpoint of that is autocracy,
0: right? And uh, the authoritarianism uh, that that the they're moving towards. I think you're absolutely right. Look, the Republicans know that, um, their policies are not popular and the, the future is not with them. They know this. Uh, you know, as the, as younger people see the, the two sides, um, demographics are changing in America and the Republicans know they are the minority party. And the only way they have been able to succeed to this point uh, in the last, I would say, ten years, maybe maybe twenty, is this um, the 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 way our system can is skewed to toward the minority. And I'm talking about the electoral college. I'm talking about the makeup of the Senate. You know, we have more people in San Diego, California, than there is in Wyoming. Wyoming gets two senators. And a representative. San Diego gets a couple representatives, you know? And I mean, it just, this is, this is our system. And, and, and it is what it is, but let's be clear about who it benefits in terms of political parties. I mean, look, the Republicans, you'd catch me on, on this fact here, but I think four out of the last five, uh, elections that were run, won by Republicans were not won in the popular vote might've been three of the four, but I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot. And that, that means that Republicans aren't winning the, the population and how do we long-term have a democracy where the majority of people want something and it's continually not getting done. And this is, this is what, you know, when you, when you talk about the left and people on the left, I can see the frustration. Because, you know, they are the majority, but they can't get their policies enacted because of our skewed system. And I think Republicans look at that and say, we can't win people over with, because our policies are not where the majority of Americans are. So we have to continue to try to tinker with that system, whether it's going after voting rights whether it's solidifying gerrymandering, whether it's um, trying to, uh, you know, in your case in Ohio, go around the popular vote on a constitutional amendment, whatever it is, inserting our judges to be able to, uh, to, to rule the way we want them to rule. That's, that's how we, we continue to, to keep our policies in place.
1: If you're like me, morning coffee is non-negotiable, but I was tired of either waiting in line for an overpriced cup or settling for gritty, bitter coffee at home. Now, I've switched to using AeroPress and I'm never going back. It's so easy and convenient and unique. I never knew coffee at home could taste this good. AeroPress is like a French press, only better. It's the only press that uses a patented three-in-one brew technology, combining the best of several brew methods into one portable device for a completely unique and delicious flavor profile. Smooth, rich, and full-bodied, without the bitterness and grit found in other presses. And as a bonus, Aeropress can brew thousands of recipes. Aeropress travels better than others, too. It's compact and incredibly durable. That means you'll never have to endure terrible coffee at the hotel, on the job, or on an adventure again. It brews and cleans in less than two hours minutes just add medium fine coffee grounds pour in hot water stir for five seconds brew for 30 seconds then press into your favorite mug and enjoy there's a reason why aeropress is the barista's favorite home brewing tool aeropress is the best reviewed coffee press on the planet with more than fifty five thousand five 5 five-star reviews thoughtful proven and under 50 dollars aeropress is the perfect gift or stocking stuffer for every coffee lover in your life this holiday season Don't settle for less than the best. They'll love it. AeroPress is shockingly affordable, less than 50 bucks, and we've got an incredible offer for our audience. Visit aeropress.com slash boats. That's A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash boats and save up to 20%. That's aeropress.com slash boats to save up to 20%. It's time to ditch the drive-through, toss the French press, and say yes to better mornings fueled By Better Coffee. AeroPress ships to the USA and over 60 countries around the world. And we thank AeroPress for sponsoring our show. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity? Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. Having a consistent nighttime routine is non-negotiable, which is why I'm excited about our new sponsor, Beam Dream, and their healthy hot cocoa for sleep. And today, our listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious flavors like sea salt caramel, cinnamon cocoa, and chocolate peanut butter, Better Sleep has never tasted better. Dream contains a powerful, all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, altheanine, and melatonin to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. A recent clinical study revealed Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. Find out why Forbes and the New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash boats and use code cyber at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash boats and use code cyber for up to 50% off. Hi, Burn the Boats fans. I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for today's show, Roan. Men's closets are long overdue for a radical reinvention, and Roan has stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection represents the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible clothes I've ever found. Roan makes it so easy to get ready for any occasion. The commuter collection offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, and polos. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy whatever life throws your way from your commute to work to weekends at the kids' ball games, Looking good is easy with Roan's wrinkle release technology, which makes wrinkles magically disappear seriously as you wear the products. It's really that easy. I don't have time between work and family and everything in between to worry about dry cleaning or ironing. With Roan, I don't have to. I just wear and go. And I feel great doing it. Even after a long day, Roan feels clean and new and just as comfortable as the moment I put it on. You got to try it out. Head to roan.com slash boats and use promo code boats to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you had to R-H-O-N-E dot com slash boats and use code boats. Trust me, Roan makes choosing what to wear not just easy, but classy and comfortable. That's Roan dot com slash boats. Let me offer two more data points about the undemocratic approach of the Republican Party and how they are, in fact... Increasing to, to lose a share of the popular vote. The, the Senate hasn't represented a majority of Republicans since Republican voters across the country since 1996. And even today, with the Senate almost perfectly divided, Democratic senators represent 40 million more Americans. And I think Republicans look at that with no plan whatsoever to reverse that trend and win over more Americans. They look at it as a an incentive to entrench those anti-democratic features, to make sure that they can retain power with uh, a minority of the vote. And we're now hearing about this Project 2025, which is a plan For the the opening days, weeks, months of a new Trump administration to solidify Trump control, to entrench Trump loyalists, to gut institutional protections, and even to deploy the military against fellow Americans. Have you seen some of this reporting and how do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, I think it's very scary. And not surprising, look, Donald Trump and his people learned their lesson from 2016 to 2020. And the big lesson they learned was we can get Trump into office with all of his rhetoric and crazy ideas. But if you surround him with H.R. McMaster and John Kelly and Jim Mattis and those people, they will obstruct They will not allow him to do his, his crazy plans. And so we now have to make sure that we have a bench ready to go on day one, because remember when, when, when Trump won in 2016, he didn't, he didn't have a bench ready. And he, he sort of like, you know, got these people that were sort of the normal Republican administration people ready to go, you know, uh, and now there's this this feeling that like that's not good enough. We have to have complete loyalty. And we have beyond that, we have to we we want to have people who are actually going to dismantle the federal government and its systems and its checks and balances that have been worked for hundreds of years. Um and that to me is is extremely scary. It's being run by the Heritage Foundation, which you know used to be somewhat respectable. Um, back when I was, uh, on, on the Hill as a, as a, uh, a Marine Corps fellow, um, heritage was, was somewhat respectable. And now they're just, they have taken the mega mantle and they, um, basically want to, to have a list of, of loyalists that they can insert to take over our government. General Milley is
1: near the top of that list, of people that would be prosecuted in a new Trump administration do you think that his peers the the four star flag and general officers are should they be more outspoken why haven't we heard from uh, mattis and others is there a line that that a project 2025 might cross that would See these people finally come together and speak out in in a loud voice, acknowledging that some of them have. Uh, you have some like McCraven and, and McChrystal who have been very outspoken, and I think moved some people. But why aren't there more?
0: I think that this rhetoric is 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 extremely dangerous, and um, I can't speak for those members of higher ranking officials who were actually in the Trump administration as to why they haven't um come out more forcefully although um they have said a, a few things uh, i know you know john kelly has said a few things about uh, trump um which is good because he's basically just telling the truth um there are however hundreds uh of former national security leaders, uh, people who worked um, in Republican administrations and Democratic administrations, who have been pretty vocal and have stood up. I am actually started an organization with uh, a group called National Security Leaders for America, a partnership with them. And it's called the, the operation that we're doing is Operation Saving Democracy. And the goal behind that is to amplify their voices. So they're already out there. There's about 700 of them um, around the country talking about the dangers of not only Trump back in the White House, Ken, but Trumpism. These are former generals, admirals, ambassadors, uh, people who are talking about the national security issues of uh, this man back in the White House and what he wants to do. The, the idea that you would use the military in domestic matters, which Trump has said he would do. He, he said that, hey, uh, next administration, I'm going to do this more. I'm going to use the military more. He hasn't just
1: said it. He's demonstrated it. He tried to invoke the Insurrection Act.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you know, he, he's, he will do it again. He will, he will fill his, his positions with loyalists. Um, I think we're learning more and more about January 6th and about what he tried to do to overthrow the election. And, you know, it's, it's extremely dangerous. But there are people, you know, General McChrystal is not the only four star out there. Um, there's a lot. And they a lot of them have have stood up and have have had the courage to to say, OK, I, I need to be forceful. I need to, to speak out here. And that's what I'm doing, trying to help them um, amplify their voices, because I think that everyday Americans should know the dangers. It's one thing when when politicos and Democrats stand up and say, that's very dangerous. It's another thing. When a three star, retired, or four star, or former ambassador who worked in a Republican administration stands up and says, Hey, this is very dangerous, and here's why.
1: I really hope you're right. I love what you're doing with Operation Saving Democracy. I've been tracking it. I think National Security Leaders for America is a, is a great organization, but I wonder. If the MAGA base that is going to propel Trump to the nomination um, and then potentially the the presidency, I wonder how much impact these these senior leaders have on on the electorate. I'm thinking about that letter signed by every Secretary of Defense, Republican and Democrat, and. I mean, it certainly affected me, it affected people in my orbit, but it doesn't seem to have dimmed at all the, the attraction that people have for, for Trump. I'm, I'm wondering if there's anything we can do in terms of, of deploying influencers and, and luminaries to sway that crowd.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going to get everybody. Um, and you've got to, you're loyalists. But, but I will say, though, that with a lot of people who are not tracking these issues, if it's amplified in such a way that it gets on their radar, um, I think they will take a second look. I mean, a lot of times when you, when you write a letter of endorsement, I mean, only the politicos see it. So you've got to put resources behind it. It's got, it's got to get, you know, on your phone. It's got to get in front of you on your, in your daily lives, and influencers are a way to do that. Um, but, you know, you're not, we're not looking to sway the, the, the mega base here. They're not going to be swayed. We're looking to sway that, you know, 1%, maybe 2% of the population who have traditionally voted Republican because Republican Party has been seen traditionally as the party of national security. We have an opening now in ways that we haven't ever had in the last 20 years where the Republican Party is ceding that ground almost on a daily basis. They are disqualifying themselves as the party of national security on a daily basis between Tommy Tuberville's antics and holding up our our military and slapping military families in the face, um, slapping women in the military in the face. To the elevation of Marjorie Taylor Greene to the uh, com- you know the committee on on uh, homeland security, somebody who like praised uh, people who who hand out classified information to their their constant um, bowing down to Donald Trump, who has ninety one indictments against him, uh, you know all that stuff, all the 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 GOP republican nominees you know are talking about bombing mexico oh that's a good thing to bomb our our biggest trading partner without their knowledge that like that's ridiculous i think there is a a an a way right now there was a an, a man who who got up in front of tim scott who he he was campaigning he's a, he's a senator who's campaigning for for president right now one of the the many wait wait just announced that he's dropping out. Oh, so, he dropped out. Okay. Uh, but this the story still applies. So he was up in, in New Hampshire and this, this older gentleman who had a U.S. Navy hat on comes to his rally, he's Republican, you know, he's been voted Republican. And he said to him, you know, how, how, can, how can you stand up to Vladimir Putin and, and Kim Jong-un if you can't stand up to Donald Trump? Now, I don't know if that guy's gonna vote for Joe Biden. I, I, I have no idea. But I'm telling you, that's the kind of person that traditionally has been Republican who who, you know, Democrats and Joe Biden and need to make sure that that he knows that the, the national security concerns of Trumpism. It seems like he gets it. That's the kind of voter. Only one percent. That's who we're going after. I think one of the things you and
1: I have to remind ourselves of constantly is that most Americans don't swim in politics 24-7 like, like we do. One of the occupational hazards of, of hosting a show like this, I'm sure you suffer from it as well, is, is that you assume everybody knows that John Kelly just outed President Trump as disparaging a wounded veteran. You assume that everybody knows that every court in the country said his big lie election claims had no basis. The things that we take for granted, we still need to communicate during the general election season To those voters, you're right. We're not, and I, you know, I was intentionally asking the question provocatively. We're not going to get that MAGA base, but we don't need them. We don't need many of them, at least. If we get the middle, yeah.
0: And you're right on, Ken, when you say, "Wow, well, you know, people don't seem to be swayed by this or that," and you know, and and a lot of that is because you know it makes headlines for a day. And then when it, when it, you know, a year later, when, when people are voting, nobody talks about it. You know, the, the, the going after veterans, calling veterans losers and suckers, not wanting to go to the graves of United States Marines that were killed in Bella Wood because he didn't want to get his hair wet, you know, that kind of stuff. Look, you go anywhere in this country, I don't care, New York City, Chicago, or small town America, you have Veterans Day parades. Kids come out with their flags. At the youngest age, Americans are taught, thankfully, to respect veterans and respect those who gave their lives for this country. Voters may not know where Ukraine is. They may not understand the selling out of you know military equipment and, and everything that, 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 that President Trump did in Ukraine. They may not understand um, Hamas. Or, or over there in Israel, um, that may not hit people. They may not even understand classified material and why that's so important not to, to have hanging out in your closet and bathroom. But I'll tell you what, what, you call veterans losers and suckers, those same people that drove down the parade where you, you, since you were five years old, you've been standing waving a flag and thanking them. That, that hits to the core. Of America. And it's that that needs to be amplified this time. Well, not this time next year, 11 months from now, 10 months from now. Um, And it needs to be done, in my opinion, by an independent um, organization that reminds people of this. Because if you don't remind them, it's like it never happened.
1: Well, I am very heartened to see operation saving democracy on the ground now and and beginning to make waves we'll certainly be tracking it i'll put a link in the show notes i have a couple of other quick questions for you somewhat non-sequitur but as a as a kentuckian i need you to weigh in on your recent election huge win for the, the gubernatorial race, but Republicans won statewide nearly everywhere else. Can you help us understand that and what can we learn from it?
0: Yeah, Kentucky is still very much a red state. Um, governor Bashir has been a good governor. Um, he, he won his first election against a very unpopular um, incumbent Republican governor four years ago and um, has won reelection. He won reelection because he's been a competent good governor uh, and he has the power of the incumbency, and that's great. remember though that um all the down ballots were uh, the incumbents were republicans. so when the they you know uh, they came up with for reelection, some of them did some of them were were open seats um you know republic uh, Kentucky is still very much a Republican-dominated and red state. And if you don't have the resources, which a lot of these down ballots just don't have because a lot of people don't invest in Kentucky because it's a red state, um, you know, it's very hard to get over that, that mountain. I always try to remind people, you know, Trump didn't win here in Kentucky by like three points. He won by like 30 so that's hard. That's a hard mountain to climb, and and um, Governor Bashir has 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 been a good governor, and um, and that's that's great for Kentucky. It's, it's a great win um, for for that seat. I wish it would have been all the way down the ballot, but you know we'll deal with that.
1: All right, last question. Thoughts on the newly unveiled—I'm <laughs> trying not to chuckle through this—Supreme uh, Court ethics code. Um, my, all right. I'm going to editorialize a little bit first. Y- you probably are, are thinking the same thing. The only thing SCOTUS has is the the faith and that the public has in it. It doesn't have an army. It doesn't have the ability to pass legislation. Once that faith is diminished or, God forbid, gone, an ethics code isn't going to bring it back. How worried are you about our third branch of government?
0: I am very worried. I, I, it's really sad to see that this has happened. Um, it's a function of people like Mitch McConnell uh, and, you know, shoving in um, Supreme Court justices, uh, in in my opinion, in a, in a very... Um, Terrible way that may have been legally okay, but just flies in the faith of uh, face of good faith. You know when you when you hold up a seat for you know almost a year, and then to, to you know because you want the people to be heard on that seat, and then you know a couple of years. Fast forward a couple of years. You know, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, you know, in, in, a month before the election, then you, you, you ram through somebody you want, um, because you know the election's probably not going to go your way. And, and that, that to me is, is just, it's just sad. That can, on top of the fact that, you know, four, I think four or five of the justices were appointed by a president who, um, was not elected by the popular vote. So, again, you have the, the minority of people in America kind of um, inserting their, their folks in there. And then on top of it, um, the, the rulings like Roe, like the repeal of Roe. I mean, it, it, you, you, can't, you can't say that I, I'm for precedence and then, you know, when you get into to office, just throw it all away. People look at that and they're like, well, we don't trust you. And it does come back to trust. And this ethics thing is just a little piece of that. Um, look, what, what Clarence Thomas did, like you and I in the military, we, we'd be prosecuted for that stuff. We'd be kicked out for that. And I mean, you know, how, how does a Supreme Court justice get away with that for years? Well, he gets away with it because we always just defer to them. Oh, they're Supreme Court justices. They must be doing the right thing well, turns out they weren't doing the right thing. And I don't think they're ever going to get that trust back, to be honest with you, unless there's an, an ethics code or whatever you want to say that is actually enforceable. And this one, it appears to be just kind of fluff.
1: Well, this really does worry me because as critical as I am of the Supreme Court, and and that is it's gonna sound bad, but that's actually ad hominem. I'm not critical of the institution, I'm critical of certain actors within that institution who have betrayed the public trust, and, and you referenced Clarence Thomas and his literal uh, parent taking of bribes, um, because that flows downwards, and the rest of our judicial system is, it provides the guardrails. It was the the judicial system that kept Trump's legal arguments leading up to January 6th from, from winning the day. Um, and, you know, I'm saying this as, as a lawyer. I think it is absolutely essential that the American public believe in their legal system. At the same time, we have a Supreme Court on which individual actors have betrayed that same public and... I think we have to go beyond an ethics code and fundamentally reform the court. I'm for term limits, term limits. I was going to say term limits at the top of the list, maybe even expand the courts. But term limits would do so much.
0: They would. And it comes down to this. Look, we're all human. OK, Um we'd all probably love glamorous vacations with, with billionaires and be able to fly on their private jets. That would be a lot of fun. And for our families, too. You sacrifice a lot in public service. You know, the, the Supreme Court justice doesn't get paid a ton. And this is the problem. If you have a lifetime appointment. They they look at this as, well, When I'm never going to get to that billionaire status, you know. So let me just ride it out while I can. And that's, and that is because it's human nature that, and, and this is the problem. If you don't, don't want, uh, it's like the, it's like the military. Like if, if you, you want that kind of lifestyle, you want to hang out with billionaires and, and, and do that kind of thing. Don't become a Supreme court justice. Okay. Don't, don't take an appointment at, in, in public service. Because it's public service and you have a lot of power in public service. We give that to you as a democracy. Certainly Supreme Court justices have a lot of power. But with that comes, you know, not only responsibility, but also the, you, you can't hang out and, and, and run around and, and have your, 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 your kids' college education paid for by, you know, billionaires and all that stuff. Um, so if, if you don't want that, then don't take that job or resign. You know, Clarence Thomas resign, and, and you could make millions. Resign your your position then, if you want that.
1: Well, Amy, great as always having you on. We'll obviously put links in the notes, but can you tell people where to go so they hear it as well uh, for Operation Saving Democracy?
0: Yeah, OperationSavingDemocracy dot org, and you know you can you can Google it. It's a an important initiative right now. To amplify the national security concern that Trump and Trumpism, um, uh, are, how they are threats to our country um, and to our democracy. So if people want to be involved, we really uh, welcome that and we're going to be working hard uh, going forward. Thanks, Amy. Great having you. Awesome.
1: Thanks for listening to Burn the Boats. If you have any feedback, please email the team at kharbaugh at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're always looking to improve the show. For updates and more, follow us on Twitter at team underscore Harbaugh. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review. Burn the Boats is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Our producer is Declan Roars, and Sean Roloffman is our audio engineer. Special thanks to Evergreen executive producers, Joan Andrews, Michael DeAloya, and David Moss. I'm Ken Harbaugh, and this is Burn the Boats, a podcast about big decisions. Magazine, advertising mascots, be movie posters, and cartoons. Oh, yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place, the sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at two twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.